Hi, I'm Malcolm Hawker, and this is the CDO Matters Podcast, the show where I dig deep into the strategic insights, best practices, and practical recommendations that modern data leaders need to help their organizations become truly data-driven. Tune in for thought-provoking discussions with data, IT, and business leaders to learn about the CDO matters that are top of mind for today's chief data officers. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the CDO Matters podcast. I'm Malcolm Hawker, your host. Today, I am thrilled to have Doug Laney on our podcast. Doug Laney is the Data and Analytics Strategy Innovation Fellow at West Monroe Partners, where he consults to business, data, and analytics leaders on conceiving and implementing new data-driven value streams. He originated the field of infonomics and authored the best-selling book, Infonomics, and the recent follow-up, Data Juice, 101 real-world stories on how organizations are squeezing value from available data assets. Doug is a three-time Gartner Annual Thought Leadership Award recipient, a World Economic Forum advisor, and a Forbes contributing author, and co-chairs the annual MIT Chief Data Officer Symposium. He also is a visiting professor at the University of Illinois and Carnegie Mellon Business Schools, and sits on various high-tech company advisory boards. Quite obviously, Doug knows his stuff. When it comes to data as an asset, Doug is the preeminent thought leader in the space. I strongly recommend all CIOs and all CDOs to read Infonomics. It's something that, that literally changed my perspective of data and analytics. And, and, and it's, a, it's a framework that I live by day in and day out. And it's something that I, I, I feel strongly that business leaders uh, know about. Doug is a fantastic fellow and a mentor of mine. And I, I'm just so thrilled that he's taking the time to speak to us today on the CDO Matters podcast. Stick around to the end of this conversation. Doug makes a fantastic offer that our listeners should most certainly keep in mind. You'll want to hear it. On that note, let's get to the podcast. Honored to be here today with Doug Laney of West Monroe. He's an innovation fellow at West Monroe. Doug Laney is a noted uh, personality in the data analytics space. He's the author of Infonomics, which I believe is the kind of the seminal must-have, must-know piece related to treating data as, as a real asset. We give a lot of lip service to that in the data and analytics world. Uh, Doug is also the author of a new book called Data Juice. We're going to talk about both of those books today. Uh, like myself, Doug is also a former Gartner analyst. We may get in a little bit of a, of a discussion of our uh, shared experiences at, at Gartner. Uh, but his list of accomplishments is long. Also a professor at his, his alma mater, University of Illinois, Champaign. Um, look really forward to diving into these, these topics with Doug today. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, in my individual opinion, if you are a CDO and you haven't read Infonomics by Doug Laney, you need to put it on your must-read list. As a matter of fact, the Wall Street Journal has recommended that it's on your must-read list if you're a CIO at the very least for this uh, for this summer. So welcome, Doug. <laughs> Thanks, Malcolm. Great to, great to be with you. Um, personality, huh? I guess I need some paparazzi now or something. 
<laughs> well, yeah, armed arm guards and and everything else. Uh, but but yeah, but right. yeah, I mean, you, you are extremely well known in this space, and rightfully so. I yeah. can then, recall vividly being at uh, a Gartner Data Analytics Summits in 2017, 18, uh, where you were speaking, and I had a lot of aha moments listening to you speak. I think a lot of your research at Gartner led to the, the publication of, of, of Infonomics. And it really, your perspectives really helped change the way I look at data. Uh, it, it, was, it was foundational to me. It really helped me understand uh, why data is as important as it is and taking mm -hmm. things beyond just lip service and actual into, into uh, you know, implementation and, and business value yeah. and business outcomes. So, so Doug, can you take just the, a few minutes and, and, and describe mm -hmm. the framework that you, that you outlined in, in, in Infonomics and why a CDO should sure. be reading Infonomics? Yeah, well, first, I appreciate the kind words. Uh, I really do appreciate it. Thanks. Um, so, uh, yeah, Infonomics was definitely written for CDOs. In fact, um, I learned a, a great trick while, while I was at, at Gartner. Somebody had, one of our colleagues had written a, a research publication on how to use personas um, and apply personas to what, what you're doing. And I took that approach. And what I did was I created a number of personas who were kind of an amalgam of, of um various people that I know, know, mostly chief data officers or senior data and analytics leaders. And I created these personas and I, I printed you know, a photo of, the, of an individual and, and their, their background and interests and what moves them and so forth. And I, and I put these on my, on my wall while I wrote the book because I think a lot of mistakes book authors make is they write for themselves or they write for, I don't, I don't know who they're, English high school teacher, <laughs> I don't know, um, who I actually sent a copy of my book to. She was very appreciative. Uh, yeah, yeah, I found her. She had long retired, but I found her and, and sent her a copy of the book and uh, with a nice note because um, she had really inspired me to raise my game when it came to, to writing. But anyway, so yeah, so I had these personas, uh, various CDOs, aspirational CDOs, established CDOs, and and so they were the ones I was writing to when I wrote, wrote the, the book as well. I did also intend for the book to be used as a textbook um, in MBA classes and um, and uh, uh, the, certainly the Infonomics class that I teach at Illinois, they had asked me to teach a class while while I was at Gartner, and I said, well, listen, I, I want to write this book first, and then we'll use the book as a textbook if you like. So I actually created a teaching guide alongside or instructor guide alongside the the book so that I could develop a, a curriculum for it. But but yeah, it's definitely for CDOs. Listen, uh, chief data officers, the role is still kind of being, you know, defined, but, you know, we do know that it's really about how to manage and leverage data as an, as an actual asset um, is really kind of at the core of what chief data officers need to be doing to, to drive improved value from data. But one of the things that I found was that most organizations don't measure their data in any way. They may, maybe they, they measure some data quality characteristics, but uh, they don't measure it as if it were an asset. So a lot of organizations will, will talk about data as an asset, but not really treat it like one. And again, I, you know, I, I think, you know, there's the old adage that you can't manage what you don't measure. And I think, you know, there's a problem there that if we're not measuring the value of data, it's cost component, it's the benefits that it's delivering the probable future economic benefits of a data asset. Um, it's market value, even if we're thinking about externalizing it, then we're really in a really poor position to justify and get the budgets and resources that we need to manage data as an actual asset. And then I think it follows that if 
you know, for any asset that you're not managing particularly well, whether it's your physical assets or financial assets or human capital, you're not going to be able to deliver value or optimize the, the value that you're delivering from those assets. So that's kind of how the whole kind of the three M's of, of, of infonomics, the uh, measuring, managing and monetizing data kind of all fit together. And so for most organizations, it's kind of a vicious cycle of not measuring and therefore not managing and therefore not monetizing their data as optimally as they could. And so the idea behind you know, Infonomics is kind of, you know, as we Cub fans, you know, used to say in Chicago before before we won the World Series, is um, is to reverse the curse. Right? There's the old you know, curse of the Billy Goat here in Chicago for the for the uh, Cubs team, and so reverse the curse or flip the script. And so to get companies to start measuring the value of their data first, its cost components, its market value, its impact on revenue, its quality characteristics, um, its business relevance, things like that will drive behaviors in the organization, not only for managing data better, but to kind of light a fire under the business to to do more with their, their data. So what would you say to a CDO uh, who said, well, okay, monetize, manage, measure. The managing part, you know, we seem to be reasonably good at. We, we've invested in a lot of tools sort of. reasonably <laughs> good at, right? Yeah. We we have some integration software, some NDM software, some data quality software. We spend a lot of money on that. Yeah, I have some and thoughts on that. What's that? I have some thoughts on that, but we'll, we'll get there. Yeah, Go yeah. Finish we'll your we'll talk, love to please. hear your thoughts on that. Um, yeah. I, I think the state of data, data management is, if I were to give it a five out of 10, based on my three years at Gartner, or a rating out of 10, I'd probably give it a five, maybe a solid six. Uh, we we can certainly talk about that. There's a lot more work to be done there. Yeah. But getting back to the notion of measuring, uh, what I would hear all the time from CDOs and CIOs that I was talking to is, well, that sounds nice, Malcolm, but that's really impossible because the impacts here from a data perspective are indirect, right? If I improve my quality of my customer data, there's no direct tie to retention or incremental sales. No. What would you say to that person, Doug? I would I would say that's naive. Um, yes, it's difficult, but it's it's not impossible. And if we follow the same ways that valuation experts value other kinds of assets, we can apply those same kinds of techniques with some nuances to to data. Um, you know, a chief data officer at AIG um, told me, and I wrote about this in the book. Uh, told me how he was able to use the valuation models um, that I published in the book to. Um, connect the dots between data quality and business process performance. So yeah, there are a lot of things that go into the performance of any business process um, resulting in some ROI number, but um, they're able to, to show how improvement in data accuracy or an improvement in data completeness actually drives improvements in business process performance. And we developed an entire um, uh, metrics framework for a very large, I can't name the name, but the very large um, retail company um, that they can use to empirically track how improvements in various quality metrics and data governance uh, uh, indicators drive improvements in business process performance, leading to revenue uh, improvements, uh, uh, profit improvements, um, market share, risk reduction, et cetera. Yeah, so, one of my favorite models yeah. at uh, at Gartner, which I know was there when you were there, is the is the value pyramid, right? Mm -hmm. Starting at the top of the pyramid and working your way down into individual fields of data, but mm -hmm. still there is this mysterious uh, and for many a challenging jump between the quality metric, 
mm-hmm. in this case could be quality and it doesn't have to be quality, but the yeah. quality metric and the actual business outcome. And one of the ones that, that I was favorite of that, that I like to use, the example I like to use is, is around like cross-seller upsell mm-hmm. uh, because everybody has metrics around qualified leads. Right. And if I delivered you one more qualified lead, what would that equal to mm-hmm. from a sales perspective? That, that one was often one that worked really well with yeah. me. Yeah. When you're talking about the state of data management and you said you have some opinions, what 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 are those opinions? I, I, I'd love to hear more. I, I, I think <laughs> so, the state of management is 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 OK, but could be a lot better. What do you think? It, it could be a lot better. I, I just think um, th- th- we data professionals and I, I'm as much to blame as anyone, you know, over my 30 plus year career. Um, we've done just a crap job <laughs> of of applying asset management principles and practices to data. So asset management practices have been around for centuries, right? And um, it, it, we just have not really applied them to to data. We haven't talked about um, things like like data condition, supply chains. Um, you know, p- pick any you know manage asset management kind of approach, and we just we just have not done a a good job of applying the principles and practices. So one of the things I did and I wrote about in Infonomics is I looked at a variety of different kinds of asset management uh, practices like uh, like material asset management, financial asset management, human capital management, uh, IP asset management, library science, records management. And there's just a lot that we can borrow, should be borrowing from those disciplines that were just not. And so one of the things that I did was aggregate those into a set of um what I call generally uh, uh, accepted information principles um, uh, on how to how to manage data, kind of eight, 18 principles on how to manage data by applying best practices in asset management. Um, so I think maybe that's more strategic, but when it comes to you know, technology, yeah, the technology is always improving, improving for integrating data, for handling master data management, metadata management, data cleansing, data quality. One of the things that we, we're not doing very well, though, is, is dealing with the... Uh, the increase in the variety of data. So, um, you know, I talk about the three M's of, of Infonomics. I'm also the, the, I don't know if you know, the guy who came up with the three V's of big data. So the volume, velocity, and variety. And so, yes, we've been able to scale infrastructure and architecture and technology to handle increasing volume and uh, velocity of data, but not so much variety. We haven't really figured out a way to automate kind of the integration of disparate data sources to align them semantically and um, and you know, integrate them physically or in real time very, very well. I mean, yes, there are data integration products out there, but to make them work, it's still very much a manual effort of mapping data elements and trying to rationalize their the differences in their in their uh, in their semantics. So I think there's a big opportunity for vendors, some vendor out there, to figure out how to really automate the integration of of data much much better of disparate data sources. I, I think there's a lot of promise out there mm-hmm. around the notion of, I will loosely say a data fabric where you could use metadata to help inform or augment yeah. or even potentially automate integration patterns mm-hmm. that, that where you could use mm-hmm. things like feedback from whether a transaction was successful or not successful as a means to understand, should there mm-hmm. be an integration pattern where there isn't one today? An example would be between a piece of RevRec software potentially mm-hmm. and a data management software. I think that's kind of where you're going, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, not just the software, but the data itself. Right. So, you know, you've got a lot of customer data around the organization. Any company I go into has 12 different definitions of what a customer is from different uh, databases and applications. 
I just talked to a, a client yesterday. They said, we have multiple instances of Salesforce and each one defines a customer differently, right? And so how do we integrate that, that data into getting a complete picture of, uh, of a customer? And so, you know, that, that's very much a still manual architecture, coding, model, modeling, and coding kind of effort to, to do that. Yeah. Well, that, that what you describe is a classic MDM problem, but I think what we're seeing now is that, you know, context matters. Const context yeah. always mattered, but I think mm -hmm. it's going to matter more because it will help whittle down the volume of data if you understand the context, meaning customer in the context of a marketing interaction mm -hmm. versus a compliance or a legal interaction. Right. So, so I think when you, you couple all those things together, plus the kind of the semantic consistency that you were talking mm -hmm. about, yeah, I, I think we're onto something. Um, but getting back to the notion of of, of kind of asset valuation practices, uh, what 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 are you know, kind of tangible actions that a CDO could take after watching this video? Would that would that be like sitting down with the CFO to to understand how to build some of these models, or what what are one of the one or two things to to try to take more of the kind of the asset valuation approach here? Absolutely, um, we're doing that with a manufacturer right now, and we just we just at West Monroe did it with a. Um, with a, a couple of pharmaceutical companies to help them value their data for different purposes. Yep. And then depending on why you want to value the data, whether you're trying to get investments, whether you're trying to uh, prove or justify the benefits of an analytic use case, or just um, um, value the enterprise data, perhaps for an M&A you know, type transaction, um, there, there are a variety of reasons why you would want to, to, to value data. Um, and then therefore, you know, different methods, kind of the standard methods of valuing any asset are the cost approach, the market approach, and the income approach. The cost approach, what did that asset cost to generate or, or create or, or purchase? Uh, the market approach is what is the uh, value of that asset on an open, you know, arm's length marketplace. Uh, there's some nuances with data. Again, that when we sell data, we're actually licensing it. Usually we're not transferring ownership of it. So, and because data is a non-rivalrous, non-depleting asset, we can license it over and over again. And so the market value um, method requires a bit of optimism, price, price optimization. Um, and then the income approach is what is this asset's contribution to income streams? And, and increasingly we're helping clients not only look at current income streams, but if we remember account, or accounting, accountants will value an asset based on its probable future economic benefits. So those probable future economic benefits for an asset may include uh, use cases which we're conceiving of or are in planning or some stage of, of implementation. So um, we want to kind of look at what are the revenue streams or value streams that are going to be generated by those, um, uh, the, the cash flows and so forth over, over, a, over a time horizon. Um, so yeah, it can be pretty sophisticated, but this is all kind of standard stuff that accountants have been doing for years. So right. yes, Malcolm, just as you said, we should be engaging the the CFOs or the, the financial organization, which is exactly you know what we've done pretty much in every every valuation initiative that that we've worked on at, at West Monroe for clients. We've involved someone from from the the client's financial team at, at least to kind of bless the methods that we're we're using. Right. Right. Uh, so I love I love this notion of generally accepted information principles. Um, you know, when I when I hear G A and then P, I, mm -hmm. I usually think of GAP, accounting principles. And, right. And, so I borrowed from that. Right. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a riff. Yeah, I get it. And and for a long time, I, I think I was kind of doing one of these kind of sh 
fist shaking at, at, at the accountants of the world and, and the, the kind of the gap principles, because I've always thought that the data should be considered a balance sheet item. But one of the things that I found interesting in Infonomics was that you actually say that it may be a good thing that data is not considered uh, right. a balance sheet asset. Uh, t t tell us more about why, yeah. why it potentially could be I a mean, good thing. I don't have a horse in the race, so I, I really don't care whether data is a balance sheet asset or not. I, right. I think it would help some organizations and it would hurt others. Um, the, the the negative aspect of, of of reporting on the value of your data is, well, like, imagine you're a CFO or a CEO. Now, you know, raise your hand if you want to report on more publicly than you already do, right? Probably not, right? There's certain right. things that you like to keep uh, proprietary um, and out of the prying eyes of you know, investors and competitors. So how, what data you have and how you're deploying it and how you're valuing it is a closely held secret for many organizations, particularly um, digital organizations and, and um, those that are, are um, relying heavily on, on data or, or data derivatives to drive business value. So yeah, that's, that's one reason. The other, um, uh, the, the flip side is, um, you companies that could report if you could report on the value of your data, it might augment the the valuation of your company because um, data and digital service companies get valued very differently than your know, traditional you know uh, companies with with traditional um, um, physical or financial products or, or services. And so if you could value your data as part of that business, then your overall valuation might might get a, a pretty good bump. In fact, we're working with some companies to take the data part of their business, the data in their business, <coughs> excuse me, and move it into a separate um, entity, a separate mm. corporate entity, and then that entity gets valued at a, some premium because it's a data-based um, uh, part of the business, and then the parent company can include the value of that subsidiary on their balance sheet and get a get a bump from from that. So. Um, it's, uh, it's something we're working on. It's called assetizing the data because data is not a balance sheet asset according to accounting standards um, for, in most cases. But what you can do is move the data part of your business into another company and then value that and then include that on your balance sheet. So it's a bit of accounting shenanigans, but it's entirely uh, legit. Well, that I find that fascinating, right? Yeah. Because on, on day one, if I'm a CDO, how can I make a massive, massive impact here? Maybe right. that massive impact is talking about, do we yeah. need a separate business here mm -hmm. that more aligns to mm -hmm. a data-driven valuation than a traditional valuation? I think right. yeah. the classic example that we heard in the news recently uh, was the whole American Airlines thing and getting a loan mm -hmm. uh, uh, or at least a line of credit, I believe, against right. their uh, loyalty database that put their valuation mm -hmm. on two or three X their airline. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I published an article about that in, in Forbes a couple summers ago. Um, yeah, so the airlines, in order to stay aloft, pun intended, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, right. needed to take out loans. And so they uh, the loans um, they got against their customer lo loyalty programs, basically comprised of just data, right, um, were, were a, a two to three X multiple, both United and American. And so now there are some airlines that have and are looking into lopping off part of the data business right. their loyalty programs into separate corporate entities to get that premium valuation oh so, fantastic yeah. um so the last m here monetization we've been kind of flirting with mm. this and and one of the posts that that you had on linkedin recently that i found really thought provoking I, i'm not mm. sure you intended it that way but it was to me 
was was that one of your clients was laying on a beach in Puerto Rico reading Infonomics, and and you had made a point about how that client was working to I'm I'm going to put words in your mouth probably here collateralize that's what the word I will use collateralize right. or potentially leverage um, their data, but in you flirted at the idea of potentially alternative uh, value drivers here. Uh, I kind of went to the crypto space when I heard okay. Puerto Rico, when I, I don't know why I just put two and two together. Okay. Like, oh, Puerto Rico, crypto alternative data. But yeah. I'd love your thought on, you know, the whole crypto world and the notion potentially of tokenizing data or using digital assets as a way to kind of work around, for lack of a better word, kind of traditional ways of leveraging data or, 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 or you know, fiat back debt. What, do you have any yeah, thoughts I mean, there? At, at the core, crypto assets are data, right? Um, yeah. But then we can also use the underlying technology, the blockchain technology to track and certify um, uh, the, the provenance and lineage of data assets. So I think that technology will have some initial impact in the data management space in terms of metadata management, um, in terms of data licensing as well. So data brokers and so forth will be able to track who has their data and how it's being used and so forth. Because right now, data brokers, they'll publish a data set to you and they have no idea what you're doing with it. You could be repackaging right. it, reselling it for all they know. Uh, so, um, you know, unless it's customer data and they insert seeds in it, um, which are, are fake names and addresses that will basically Other watermarks. Phone, yeah. Yeah. They'll basically phone home if, if the, the data set's being used improperly. I mean, that's been done in mailing lists for, for decades, but there really are, are no, you know, um, um, digital ways to, to, to do this um, with other kinds of data assets. And so, you know, blockchain might be a way to, to, to handle that. Yeah. Uh, tying off on infonomics, one of the things that I liked the most about the book is that you have a healthy smattering of real world use cases, right? That, that I assume that, that, you know, through, through years at Gartner and other interactions with, with, with mm -hmm. companies, you were actually able to say, okay, CDO at company X was able to do Y using Z practices. I, I love that. It's, it's, it's throughout the book. Is that really kind of the genesis for data juice? And, and maybe it, just tell us a little bit about da data juice and, 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 and why it should be on my Pretty reading well. list. Yeah. You know, my editor at Gartner, um, <clears throat> uh, advised that, you know, I, I include a lot of stories to make my my cases. And so, you know, I researched these stories. And and then also, you know, when I first uh, returned to Gartner, so I re returned to Gartner uh, a decade or more ago um, for my, my, my second time, um, they said, listen, you're the big data guy, research big data and, and write about it and advise clients on big data. Well, the, the questions quickly turned from, um, you know, how, what is big data to how do we do big data to what do we do with all this big data. And I was like, uh, I, I can give you some generic answers, but you know, let me go collect some stories. So a dozen stories turned into 50 stories, turned into nearly 500 stories. I've now got about 700 stories that I've compiled over the years. Um, and <clears throat> so, yes, I included a bunch of stories, maybe 40 or 50 in, in data, in, in infonomics to kind of make the points. Um, but people were asking for more, like we, we want to be inspired, tell us stories in the manufacturing industry or where companies are doing predictive analytics. And we just need stories in order to kind of light a fire under our board of directors or our business, uh, business people. And so 
Um, finally, I, I compiled them all into this into the new book that was just published um, earlier this month called uh, Data Juice. About it's 101 stories about how organizations can squeeze value from their uh, actually 101 stories of how organizations are actually squeezing value from their data. Um, and then each story includes um, most stories have a have a you know why were they doing this and and kind of what was involved. Um, and then a, a, an actual outcome. So you, you talked about outcomes earlier, Malcolm. So outcomes are you know very important. And I guess there are a lot of vendors out there who tell stories like, uh, you know, by using our technology, we increased the number of users by 200x, or the speed of queries was a thousand percent faster. Like, well, that's you know interesting, but how did that actually deliver business benefits? And so. These stories are all business benefits oriented. Most of them are financial benefits. Some are social benefits or, or others, um, but me they're pretty much all measurable benefits. Um, and some of them are just purely, you know, really innovative and inspirational ways to use data. But then each story, I started kind of writing a um, an analysis of each story. Like, what would I, what did I see? What did jump out at me? What was, uh, what would I recommend for this company or organization to do going forward to take this idea further? Um, and, and they, 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 all my recommendations started to sound kind of homogeneous. So uh, I reached out to uh, nearly 100 friends in the industry and, and said, listen, I want you to write uh, you know, an analysis. So I basically I kind of crowdsourced the entire book, which is good because my wife told me if I ever wrote another book, it would have to be titled How I Used uh, Big Data to Find My Next Wife. Um, so... <laughs> So I was like, honey, how about how about if I crowdsource this book and like have compile these stories and then uh, and then have uh, other people kind of write the analyses? And so I got got the green light for that. But yeah, the book's been really well received. Thank you, and um, uh, great accolades from business leaders and data leaders and technology leaders and executives, you know, around around the world. So. Um, yeah, I, I'd say it's meant to be, you know, and it's not, you know, Infonomics is more of a kind of a, a how-to book and, and right. providing really some some best practices and ways to apply asset management and measurement practices to data um, and and more of a book that you might sit down and read. I think Data Juice, although people tell me they love flipping from one story to the next, it's really meant to be more of a reference book. So each story is tagged by the type of industry, the type of data, the a type of analytics that was used, uh, geography, and so you can actually look at the index and thumb to whatever stories you know might be most meaningful. But at the end, it's the, the book is meant to be, um, it, uh, it's, it's meant to inspire organizations to do more with their data, or, or maybe shame them, you know, <laughs> into doing more with their data as well. Uh, I, I get the shame angle. That can be a, a very, very powerful motivator. It, it is powerful, uh, yeah. When, when, when I was tasked to implement an MDM, one of the first things we did was 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 build a report that showed how bad the data really was. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And that was heavily that was that was heavily motivating. But but yeah, all else being equal, of course, you know, sunlight if you, if being you, the best disinfectant, right? Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All else being equal, of course, if if you if you can find carrot and uh, and and not so much stick, it's probably a little bit better. But. Before before we tie up here, I would love to to understand your perspective of of the future, kind of where where things are going, what <laughs> you see some of the to the degree that we are prognosticators at all, and that we can see the future at all. 
I mean, I, I I see a few kind of normal things evolving, but would would love your perspective on you know if if I'm a CDO and I'm building a, a longer term roadmap, what are the things that I should be thinking about? I think you've got to have your eye on blockchain. You've got to have your eye on quantum. You know, I don't know if uh, either of those, but maybe blockchain, but not quantum, requires some some planning right now. But uh, but uh, keep it in kind of the background of the strategy. I would say. Um, quantum is going to you know, radically change uh, analytic capabilities and, and privacy and security. So definitely have an eye on that. Um, organizationally, um, I'm starting to see more and more, as I've been recommending for years, the, the bifurcation of the IT organization into separate I and T organizations. I, I think uh, the day when uh, information and technology were tightly coupled, you know, are, are, were decades ago, and there's no reason that data and technology need to be even discussed in the same you know, breath anymore, let alone managed uh, uh, simultaneously. And so unfortunately, as I, I wrote about and I've said, and others have said this as well, a lot of CIOs are really chief infrastructure officers and haven't really been focused on managing data as an actual asset. So maybe it makes sense to, to separate IT into separate I and T organizations. Um, in some cases, where, where some clients have kind of taken my, my, my advice on, on that, um, they've even dispensed with the uh, CIO role altogether, you know, and they now have a chief technology officer and a chief data officer and are managing those assets separately. Of course, they're very interrelated, and of course, they're interrelated with other business assets, but from a management uh, and strategy standpoint, they really can be uh, largely uh, ma managed separately. Yeah, so that that's, I think, a, another trend. Um, again, I would love to see some kind of... Uh, uh, some vendors, some technology, being able to automatically integrate data sources based on understanding their semantic consistencies and inconsistencies and um, or automatically fill in gaps in data quality, uh, correctness, completeness, um, et cetera, uh, by using external data sources. I think external data sources are really the, the next horizon of, of company data. Um, most organizations really just spend a lot of time kind of staring at their own navel when it comes to uh, you know an analyzing the, the data that they have and really don't have a, a very good awareness of the full range of external data sources available from you know millions of data sets published by government organizations and NGOs worldwide from thousands of companies selling data, data brokers and data aggregators and data marketplaces um, to hundreds of partners that you can exchange data with and return not necessarily for cash, but maybe for goods and services um, and, and social media data and uh, billions of websites that can have content that can be harvested. So, you know, I think unfortunately many, Many organizations have a you know entire department dedicated to procuring office supplies, but you know no one dedicated to procuring data supplies. Um, uh, right. Some research that I did recently kind of bore that out, and it's really you know quite quite unfortunate, um, and and I think a big mistake. So I think the future will will involve better integration of external data assets, and and even from a data management standpoint, um, I'm expecting um, um, extended. Uh, ecosystems to start to emerge where trading partners will co-manage data um, rather than having be my data and your data. We're managing data in a common environment in the cloud um, together. And we agree on rules of the road and governance and access and, um, and, and share the costs of that. So I think uh, we'll start to see that as well. Um, I think the cloud certainly enables that. So uh, those are just a few ideas. But I love the last one. Yeah. Right. Well, I love it all. 
um, you know, have, having done multiple tours of duty at a third-party data provider down in Bradstreet, obviously right. I've kind of got that mm -hmm. pounded into my uh, DNA about the value of, of third-party data, external data, mm -hmm. but all the things you touched on could, couldn't agree more. Uh, the last one, uh, it, really intriguing to me, this notion of kind of shared governance. I think you could yeah. you could loosely use the phrase a consortium there. You could, you could, yeah. Consortium has some some negative connotations as well, because yeah. they tend to not work very well. Yeah. But yeah, I'm talking about a really shared management and uh, data management environment. I call it an extended uh, information ecosystem or extended data ecosystem. Yeah. Um, so. And yeah, I think could, there are companies maybe like Walmart that sort of do this for some of their suppliers. Well, yeah. yeah. And, and Amazon, right, handles data there. for a lot of yeah. you know, product providers. Um, but yeah. It's, it's to me, the, the killer use case there is supply chain, right? Mm -hmm. Com companies need more visibility on the supply chain. And that shared management approach, I think, is going to be key to that. Um, mm -hmm. I also happen to think that that blockchain can play a role here and this notion yeah. of, of DAOs, decentralized mm -hmm. autonomous organizations, where those DAOs mm -hmm. exist purely as governance entities to maintain the semantic consistency, to maintain mm -hmm. the definitions, to maintain kind of the common area where data is shared across organizations. I think this is really interesting. Totally agree with you. Good. Well, listen, Doug, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to our listeners today. It's been a pleasure having you on CDO Matters. Um, look forward to continuing to interact yeah. with you. I just joined the, the Forbes Technology Council, so uh, you, you'll Great. be seeing me in the, uh, more in Forbes, but uh, mm -hmm. really, really appreciate yep. you, you, you coming on. I, I couldn't, couldn't recommend more. Infonomics, if you haven't already read it, thank please, you. I couldn't recommend it more. And Data Juice, I'm excited to read. So, thank Doug Laney, thank you so much for your time. Thanks. Thank you, Malcolm. And and uh, to return the favor uh, for any of your CDO listeners, if they'd like to reach out to me for a free copy of, of Infonomics and or Data Juice, uh, inscribed copies maybe for them or for their, their ELT, their executive leadership team, oh, they wow. can reach out to me uh, directly. Um, that, at, that's uh, fantastic. I mean, yeah. it's it's 18 bucks on Kindle, 24 bucks hard copy. So there's some real value. That's wonderful. Yeah, Thank you yeah, so much. Reach out to me um, at uh, dlaney at westmonroe.com or, or find me on LinkedIn. Awesome. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks, Malcolm.